listening to the Stormcast, a podcast from the Omaha Storm Chasers. Oh, he got him! Oh, he got him! Escobar got him at first! And that ball's way out of here! It's a two-run game-winning homer! Here's your host, Jake Eisenberg. Everyone get on your feet, stir up the storm, we're family! Welcome to another episode of the Stormcast, presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. We're joined by Storm Chasers left-hander Austin Cox, who's been with the Storm Chasers since day one this season. And Austin, you've been the most consistent pitcher in the Storm Chasers rotation this year. You lead the team in starts, you lead the team in innings. What's this year been like for you, your first full year at this level? It's been awesome. Um, You know, we talked a little bit about it in the dugout um, in some of those interviews, but um, just trying to find that consistency and Last year, um, struggled staying healthy, missed about two months due to injury, um, s- some minor things, uh, but, but really focusing on staying healthy, uh, being available when, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to go start. And so that's kind of been the two main focuses this year and, um, you know, just going into every day trying to find those two, those two things, stay healthy and stay consistent. What are some of the things you did this off season, and some of the things you've been doing before games, after games, to make sure that you can stay healthy? You know, finding a consistent routine has been the biggest thing for me. Um, I feel like that getting older and realizing that you know I'm not 19 anymore. I can't just roll up and and go try to throw five to seven innings. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing is trying to find find that routine that gets my body ready and um you know over the last couple of years learning what a full season feels like on the body and and knowing when to press the gas and when to press the brakes on on certain things to to stay healthy for 150 some odd games. Yeah, you know, as we sit here right now, you're fast approaching the 100 inning mark this season, which is something you haven't done since 2019. What does that milestone mean to you? It means a lot. I mean, as a starter, you want to throw as many innings as possible, eat up as many innings, and keep that bullpen fresh for as long as possible, especially with the bullpen that we have here. Uh, there's a lot of really good arms up the, up in that bullpen. So if those guys can stay fresh and um, go out and, and be ready to go when, when, when it's their turn, um, you know, as a starter, it's it's kind of our job to to go out there and eat innings and and keep the team in the ball game and and um, I think that's been that's been kind of the goal every time I go out is is give those guys as much of a break as I can and and uh, so that they're ready when when the when they do come in and in the later innings. How would you describe yourself as a pitcher? The kind of style that you have, the kind of arsenal that you have, the way that you like to attack batters. Um, I, I personally feel like it's, I love to compete. So I, I feel like every day that I go out there is another chance to compete. And that's kind of the mindset that I have. Like we, we, you know, we, we build a game plan and, and, you know, I, I know my fastball has, has good vertical movement and, you know, I, I had the curveball and, and that kind of stuff, but you know, when I go out there between the lines, I, I try to just think about competing and, and putting up zeros and, and keeping the team in the game and as long as I possibly can until they come take the ball from me. When it comes to that fastball, like you mentioned, the vertical movement, maybe the, the curveball, the other pitches that you throw, how much do you pay attention to those metrics and how much movement you have on one pitch or the spin rate on another? Um, 
I try not to look into it too much. Uh, I, I know that it's becoming a bigger part of the game. Um, but for me, like I said, I, I there's going to be days where you, you, you don't have your best stuff. And if you're strictly looking at, at movements and stuff like that, it, it doesn't always tell the whole story. So, so to me, I try to just, just look at, did I go out and compete the best, the best I had or the best I could with the stuff I had that day? Yeah. Sometimes maybe you look at those numbers after a start and it maybe validates what you did on the field. Like, Oh, I felt like the curveball was really good today. And then you go so, look at the spin rate and it's, Oh yeah, it was really good. Sure. So sometimes it confirms it. Sometimes it helps you for maybe a benchmark mm-hmm. to kind of look at during the off season. But you know, within the game, within the season, maybe it's not the, the ultimate focus. The ultimate focus, like you said, is putting up zeros. Yes. Um, you know, it, it, like I said, if you get too caught up in that, um, it doesn't always tell the whole story. So as a whole, yes, it's, you know, if you throw a good pitch, yes, I want to know what it, it looked like metric wise so that when I'm in the bullpen throwing it or off season throwing it or in the game, Hey, you know, where, where are those metrics at today? So you can repeat so you it. Can, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, you know, you look at the advanced metrics for specific pitches. One of the things that, that we've talked about this year is also arm path, which was a focus for you this past off season. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a biomechanical change yes. that you've made this year. And how has that affected the way that you've been able to compete? I feel like it just, it's been easier on my arm. So when I was really long, my arm didn't always catch up. So you're throwing with a lot of arm, you're late. So it's a lot of stress on the arm. So when when it's more connected and fluid, it's a lot less stress on the arm, so therefore you can bounce back quicker. Um, I feel like it's it's helped my arm stay not necessarily more fresh, but just recover a lot better than when you're late or your arm's lagging. It's a lot of stress on the arm, so I feel like the bounce back factor has been big this year with making that change and shortening it up a little bit. Right, because like you said, you're not 19 anymore. Exactly. You know, you're exactly. you're you're 26. I mean, that's <laughs> that's practically ancient, right? Yeah, <laughs> feels like it sometimes. Let's talk about 25 year old Austin Cox because it was a couple of months before your 26th birthday that there was a pretty big life change for you on the personal side. You got engaged this past January. I did. Congratulations, Thank you, you and you and Hope are planning a wedding coming up soonish. Yes. Um, I think, right? December 17th. December 17th. So that's what? It's August, beginning of August. So just about four months away. Yep. Getting excited? Very excited. Uh, During the All-Star break, we went down to Charleston, which is where we're getting married, and uh, toured the venue. Uh, She had already been to it, but I had not because we booked it right as as spring training was starting. Um, So getting to go down and see that and, and tour that with her, and we... Went to the rehearsal dinner spot with my parents and her mom and just kind of getting to walk around the town where, where that's going to happen was, was super, super neat. And then we, you know, we had engagement pictures on one of the off days and we're standing there getting pictures taken. And that was kind of the first time where I was like, this is real. Like, wow. <laughs> like, holy cow. Well, right. Cause you know, during the baseball season, it's, it's, it's baseball sure. every single day, except for Monday. Sure. And the time just kind of goes like that. Uh, I mean, so how do you plan a wedding during a baseball season? Honestly, she's been heaven sent with it because she really enjoys it and has kind of taken over um, a lot of the planning aspect of it. So I, I'm, she would say I'm, I'm very hands off, but um, 
I, I kind of let her do her thing with it, and uh, she's and then been, she asks you amazing. about you know what napkins do you like? You and, know, do you and, have a preference on the flowers? It, yeah, well, even even when we were in Charleston, her my mom and her mom went and looked at flowers, and my dad and I went and got dinner and, and hung out <laughs> together. So so she, like I said, she she's she takes it and and she knows that I'm gonna like whatever she decides, and um, it's 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 really been awesome the way that she's she knows that you know i i, I have a job to do it and she's she she's taken it and and really been amazing with handling the planning and the the um the decorations and all of that kind of stuff so what's the wedding thing that you have the strongest opinion on oh gosh um you know maybe it's something that that hope suggests that you're like no i really wanted this uh this kind of food or this kind of cake or band versus dj other wedding things that, that people decide honestly i we both have said as long as our people are there the other stuff will fall into place so i guess it's the strongest thing that i had was just that all of both of our people were there all of our closest people that are you know that mean the most to us in our lives and and i think that's kind of been the the only thing that that she and i have been like hey like this is the biggest thing other than that everything else will work itself out how'd you guys meet so actually we were it was it was during 2020 um i had just got in our relationship she had just got in our relationship and um a family friend of mine worked with her dad so like he lives in georgia i'm from georgia she's from kansas city so i went to the alternate site and that family friend reached out to her dad and just kind of threw it out there like hey this this guy's coming up to Kansas City you know maybe they could she could show him around like i don't i don't know you know what her relationship status is and so at the end of that alternate site we ended up getting together and then um went on a couple of dates and then stopped talking for a little bit and then she reached back out sometime in spring training um, of the next year, so 21, and things took off from there, and, and it, it we didn't look back. So was was the first date in Kansas City? It was. What did you guys do? We went to a place in Parkville, uh, which is north Kansas City, and we went to a pizza shop there called Stone Canyon Pizza. And it's funny, the day that I was proposing, I actually took her back by there and, and I, I prayed with her and, and at that point she knew what was kind of going on. <laughs> so, um, but it was, it was really fun. We had a lot of fun together and, and just hit it off from the jump. Um, and like I said, never, never looked back. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that, you know, you as a member of the Kansas City Royals organization happened to meet a girl who's from Kansas City. You know, have, have the two of you imagined what the moment will be like when you make your big league debut? I mean, yeah, it's been talked about. Um, it's it's definitely something that, you know, you, you dream about your whole life and, and um, has been, I mean, we've, we've talked about it and it's it's super super neat that that she's from that area you know she she actually cheered for the chiefs 
So, um, like, oh, like, like on the field, like yeah. cheerleader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, a lot of people cheer for the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, she she was a cheerleader for the Chiefs. Um, so she she's been in that area a lot, and and we've both like we went to some games last year in Kansas City to the to the Chiefs games, and um, so getting you know we've walked by Kaufman, and both of us kind of look up like you know wow it would be incredible you know and um so it's it, it's super neat that she's from that area and, and used to that the Kansas City sports scene um but yeah it's 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 a really really awesome thing to think about and hopefully we get to get to live it out all right so she grew up in in Kansas City around the Royals around the Chiefs but you grew up in Macon central Georgia mm-hmm. so really more around the Braves I'm guessing that yep. was that was the team for you growing up that's the ballpark that you went to Turner Field Turner Field so uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that maybe Tom Glavin is somebody <laughs> that you maybe admired a little bit growing absolutely, up Absolutely absolutely was my first glove was a Mizuno Tom Glavin glove um and every night the Braves were on uh Right when I started to get into baseball, when I was really young, my mom worked in Atlanta, um, and so it was me and my dad. And every night the Braves game was on, and we'd be throwing a baseball in the house. Um, I, I can actually still remember the last time a ball was allowed in the house was <laughs> my dad was throwing to me while the Braves game was on, and some some family friends were over, and I he threw one to me, and I hit it, and there was a candle on, and I blew out the candle when I hit it, and it hit the back wall and almost broke a picture. And my mom came running in, and, and that was the end of ball in the house for, for the Cox family. Right. You know, at, at that point, you had gotten too big exactly. and, and too strong to be able to you know, throw it around. <laughs> there, were, there were too many things that could break at that point. Exactly. And that was the signal. The candle went out. And it was done. And it's all right. That go was, out, go outside. Yep. Okay, so who other than Tom Glavin were, were some of your favorite players? Chipper was my, my, my you know. Your, I, your I, idol. Like yes, poster on the yes, wall. Yes, yes. Chipper was the guy that I looked at. Um Unfortunately, I wasn't right-handed, and I definitely couldn't hit right-handed. I could, I could somewhat hit left-handed, but I could not hit right-handed. So, um, couldn't play third base. Um, but, but Chipper was was the one that that I really looked up to and and loved the way that you know. I mean, he spent his whole career in Atlanta. I think that was super super cool. And um, I remember the day he retired. I was so upset. Or he announced his retirement after the end of the year, and I was I was I was very very upset. But. Um, yeah, Chipper, um, you know, Glavin, Smoltz, all those Maddox, you know, I mean, it's hard not to look up to those guys when they're right. consistently winning Cy Youngs on the same staff. I mean, um, they're, they're they're all in Cooperstown. Exactly. You know, they're, they're doing something right. Exactly. <laughs> now, but for you, so like in high school, like, yeah, you played baseball, but you were also on the football team. You were mm-hmm. a captain of the football team, so you were doing both sports. So were there, you know, Falcons players that you were looking up to also? Honestly... I was a Georgia football guy. Georgia football, UGA. Okay. So I, I had always dreamed of playing baseball at Georgia. Um, that didn't work out, but um, yeah, Georgia football and then Braves baseball was kind of my my thing when I was younger. And and yeah, but football and baseball and never could play basketball. I played one year and that didn't didn't really. Yeah, me go neither. That's, well. some, that's something we have in common. <laughs> it didn't but, go very well. So base baseball was always that was always the the collegiate dream and the professional dream. Not as much football. Um, football was basically around our house. It was whatever sport was in season we we were playing. So, um, you know, during football season when I was younger, it was I'm going to go to the NFL. And then during baseball <laughs> season when I was younger, it was I'm going to I'm going to play in the big leagues. And um, so that was always kind of a rotating door 
and then um, I, I wasn't fast enough to, to do anything in football. Mm, that's but. relatable. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so as I got into high school and kind of realized, hey, baseball is going to be my path, um, you know, I, I fell more and more in love with baseball, and, and that's kind of been – that kind of took off from there. What were you in football, quarterback? I was a quarterback for three years, didn't really play. Um, got a couple starts my junior year at quarterback, and then um, senior year was going to back up and play defense, defensive end. And one, it was actually my, one of my best friends didn't show up to practice. Uh, it was like a voluntary practice. We were just throwing, just throwing routes and catching balls. And one of the receivers ran the wrong route, and our head coach looked at me and said. I mean, at this time I was, shoot, I was six three, one eighty five, a lot thinner than I am now. <laughs> and uh, I, he was like, "Cox, go go run this route." So I ran out there, ran the route, caught it, ran a couple more routes, and then ended up. Uh, I was I was a backup, still at receiver, and then uh, backup at quarterback. So I would do both, and then we had a seven on seven scrimmage against the team and made a couple catches and from that point on I was I was our one of our starting receivers um you know we we, I I definitely wasn't our deep threat I I didn't have the speed for that I was more of a tight end out on the edge just blocking and and you know short yardage situations if we wanted to throw I was I was like running slants and stuff shorter routes that uh that I could just kind of use my body to get get in position and and uh but it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of life lessons learned from football, and um, it, was, it was it was a lot of fun looking back on it. And you know, I, I had a lot of friends at our rival high school, so getting to play against them and um, you know, just just live that high school side of things. That was that was a lot of fun. Who's the deep threat on this team? Oh God, um, probably now it'd probably be Waters. Um, a fellow Georgia guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, or, or Brewer, Brewer Hickman. He also played at UAB, so so he's. I mean, he's got some. I think you give him fans. the nod, probably. Yeah, yeah he's probably our, our one receiver. If, yeah. if, <laughs> if we're going with anybody, but um, yeah, that, that probably Brewer actually. Did you and Drew know each other at all growing up? So I did not know him growing up, but my my roommate in college actually was are good good friends with him and played with him in high school so that was pretty neat i got a text from him when we when we ended up trading for him and he said hey man tell him i said what's up and you know he's a great guy and and you'll enjoy playing with him so that was that was pretty cool there's there's some other connections too like i know richard lovelady went to the same high school as you did you guys overlap at all so richard actually went to uh, a school in savannah oh, okay so it was first presbyterian day in savannah um but we we played once in college and I, I i didn't know him at the time i remember him pitching against us because our, our guys came back in the dugout like holy cow like <laughs> i couldn't see anything um but that's that's the only time i remember playing rich and then i mean you you guys didn't overlap uh brandon barker was also at mercer uh, yes. a few years before you got there uh and, you know brandon was on the team the storm chasers last year yes. so you guys overlapped for like that one week um uh-huh. Um, Brandon actually, so he was the example our coach always gave of, you know, this guy works so hard and, and, you know, now he's playing professional baseball and, and Brandon's also very, very smart. So he made Mercer, you know, he, he was very good in school there. So our coach always used him as an example of 
being really good on the field and in the classroom. Um, but no, I, I didn't play with Brandon. I actually worked out with him 21 off season going into 21. Uh, we worked out at the same facility. So I got to know him there, uh, not actually at Mercer. So what was it like growing up in Macon and then going to Mercer, basically 15 minutes away from where you went to high school? Mm-hmm. It was it was really cool. Um, it, it was funny. They called me the mayor. Because <laughs> you knew everybody. Everywhere we went, hey, Austin, hey, like, you know, how, how's it going? How's, you know, how's ball, all that stuff? And then, you know, I struggled my freshman year on the mountain. Really, I had like a 10 ERA. That's so, not great. Yeah, that, that's not, not a lot of fun there. But uh, so that that part was tough, you know, going around town knowing that I'm struggling and um, not throwing the ball well. And, and, you know, people are asking what's going on. And, and um, so that, that part was was really tough. But then, you know, got into my sophomore year, earned a, a weekend role. And and that that kind of got fun because then, you know, my buddies could come watch and um, – that that part was was a lot of fun. Then you get drafted by the Royals, fifth round pick, twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. and it's your first time really living outside the state of Georgia, right? Um. So let's see. I guess nineteen. We lived in. Uh, we were in Lexington and and Wilmington, and then I went back and lived. Let's see. Where did I live after nineteen? Uh, I I didn't live at home that that off season, and then twenty I lived in Atlanta. Um, that was where Brandon Barker and I worked out at the same place. Uh, so yes, outside of the state of Georgia, off season wise, was this past year. Okay, but like you know, first time playing outside the state of Georgia was yes. Burlington yes. in twenty eighteen, yes. and then then Lexington and Wilmington, and you you wind up being exposed to all these different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the what's the weirdest or most challenging part of seeing all these new spots that you probably haven't heard much about before? Honestly, the most challenging part of nineteen was when uh, I've been outside of Georgia and we went back to Rome and Augusta, and the humidity hit again. That that was the hard part because I was so used to it. You know, we growing up, you play five six games in a day, and you wouldn't even think about it. You know, my our moms and stuff would have the the cold rags and everything for us, but you didn't really think anything of it. And then you, I go back to Augusta, and it's a hundred degrees with humidity. And and I remember getting out of that game, and my jersey was like ten pounds. I was like, well, how did we do this? Like when we were growing up, like, this is crazy. Um, so I would say that was actually the most challenging part of leaving and then coming back. So you had to like reassimilate to to the weather that you grew up with. Exactly. It took one year for you to just <laughs> not be used to the heat anymore. Exactly. Did, did they disown you in it, Georgia? No, no, not quite. But but it was definitely uh, an adjustment. So that was funny when I came back. I looked at my parents after that game. I saw them in the stands and I walked over and I was like, "Holy cow! I forgot how humid it is here." I mean, it's been hot here too. It has been hot here. So how do you, how do you stay cool on the mound? Honestly, it's just prepping your body for it, uh, hydrating, and just just being ready, getting in the heat as much as you can to a smart level, and and so that your body's ready for for when you when you do get out there and are exerting all that energy and it's hot. Um, make just really make sure you're hydrated. That's about all. The only the only thing you can really do to combat it, and just accept the fact that it's gonna be hot. So, you're from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily known as a cowboy sort of place, <laughs> uh, yeah. And yet, you know, 
pictures of you and, you know, just showing up at the ballpark. Got, you know, big cowboy hat on, <laughs> cowboy boots. I mean, where where does that come from? So my best friend growing up, uh, him and his brother, uh, they both are in, like, team roping, uh, the rodeo-style stuff. And, um, you know, my, I grew up, my granddad had a farm and – Whenever he'd pick me up from school, we'd go feed the cows and all that kind of stuff. And so I grew up around animals. And um, so you're right at home in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and they, but then when I got back from college after my first year of pro ball, I my buddy had started to get into it while I was in college, the team roping and, and riding and all that stuff. And so I I ended up, uh, you know, I'd be around them and they'd have the cowboy hats on and everything, and and you know we'd help fix fences and and do all that kind of stuff in the when I was home and um I just kind of grew grew into what they they do and and uh I just enjoyed wearing it and and it kind of took off from there and um you know it was funny the the day before my my best friend got married or the day he got married I was like hey man like what, what do you want to do today so let's let's go let's go ride horses. Okay, like most guys, you know, they just hang out and chill. And we were out there riding horses before he got married, and um, so so I kind of grew into that from from that and my childhood of of being around animals and my granddad always picking me up. We go feed cows and and all that kind of good stuff. So have you ever ridden a bull? I've not real I've or not. Me- what about mechanical? I have ridden a mechanical bull. I have ridden a mechanical bull. <laughs> it sounds like there's a good story here. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 there was a there was always one in college that that was always at a uh, at, at a at a local bar we'd go to. So so I hopped on that once or twice. How'd you do? All right, you know it, it depends on the, the if the guy doesn't want you on it, you're probably not staying on it. Oh, because they can so <laughs> they, they control. can control how yeah. like hard it bucks and, and oh, yeah. stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, you ever like lassoed one or, or roped one? I so, guess that's the right terminology. <laughs> wow, I'm so, really exposing myself here, aren't I? <laughs> um, I, I don't ever, I don't ever get on the horses and rope because they, you know, they have they have friends that have that have lost fingers and stuff from from getting caught in the rope. But yeah, you're um, no Mason Saunders. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> not going down that road. Uh, I, I I do the dummy. You know, they have a, they have a dummy with with the, the steer head and everything, and I I, mean, I can throw a rope. But um, I I don't ever they don't ever let me I I've I've asked them to let me, but uh they they're like no you're you're not getting getting on here and roping you're you're you can watch and so I just stay at the trailer and and rope the rope the dummy and and I have a great time doing it so notice the the cowboy boots that you've been wearing a lot the ones you wore the other mm-hmm. day uh they're pretty loud as far as <laughs> as far as cowboy boots though they've got like this this teal and this kind of argyle design mm-hmm. but they've also got like some texture on them mm-hmm. and then you know they go up to the shin and all that i mean you know is that is that the st- is that the style uh not for everybody honestly a, a lot of guys like they actually poke fun at me um they said i look like they're, they're urban cowboy type stuff uh when i go home they they all like the basic just just leather um, but I saw those, our trainer in double A actually had them and I really liked them. So, so I, I bought a pair and, uh, now double A, you, you go to Texas a bunch. Yes. So, you know, places that you go, they've got like, you know, the cowboy boots or, well, or the hats or the belt buckles and stuff like that. My, the spot that I always go to is, is a place in Kansas city. It's Nigro's Western store. And that's, that's kind of been my spot that I've, I've gone to since 2020 to get 
anything that I've ever wanted. So uh, they have everything at that place that that you could want. So I always just go over there, and and the the, the people that own it are, are great, and they they always strike up conversation, and so that's a lot of fun to to go pick out stuff. And and it's funny we get on that. My so when I was going to take uh, engagement pictures with my fiance, I I was like. Uh, I was like, yeah, I want to wear my hat in the pictures. And she's like, okay, uh, just bring it, you know. And so we go on the road the week before, and about Wednesday on the road, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I forgot my cowboy hat. And so I text her, you know, hey, I, I left my cowboy hat at home. And she's like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? I'm like, well, it looks like I'm going to have to go buy a new one. And so oh, no. I, I, I worked. <laughs> I, I bet you were devastated about <laughs> yeah, that. So upset. Uh, so so I ended up going and getting a new one, and and she was she was dying laughing while I was in the store. I was wide eyed and just just so excited. Um, but I, got, I ended up getting two out of that. So there you go. So that was a lot of. Fun. So how many different hats do you have now? Let's see. I have an old one at home. You're, you're, count, you're counting. I can see the wheels turning. Five. Yeah. Five now. Two, one felt that is kind of just wear around. I wear it to the airport when we travel. The the nice one I just got that's felt as well, and then three straw ones that are interchangeable that I can you know do pretty much anything in. And how many pairs of boots? I usually keep two pairs of boots. One that I wear every day. And then a nice pair. Then the that, show boots. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If they're show boots, but that, well, I remember. You know, I remember Tyler, Tyler Zuber last year had had these Ospreys boots, and those were his <laughs> show boots. Those are the ones he got engaged in on the field here at Warner Park with Ashton. He he had the show boots. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of guys like to do that. I I I, I don't uh, I don't have a pair of show boots yet, but um, the I I just try to keep a pair that's nice and clean that I can wear with a suit if if there's weddings or anything else to go to and. And then a pair that uh well maybe some maybe some show them. boots for the show <laughs> you know <laughs> that that might be something nice to get when yeah. if if that happens how do you feel about nicknames nicknames um i, I I've never really how coxie has always been my everybody's go-to with me. I'm just spitballing that we call you Cowboy Cox. <laughs> There's some nice alliteration there, and I feel like that, that might latch on. <laughs> it might. What do you think? Some of the Latins, when we were in rookie ball, always called me Cowboy, just joking, <laughs> because I'd always wear the boots and the hat, and you know, I'd, I'd, I'd bring a dummy to the field and, and rope it. And one time we were out in the, the hotel parking lot, and some of the our, our Latin guys came out, and I had Kyle Hinton, he had a rope tied onto one end of the bucket and he was running and I was running behind him roping the bucket. <laughs> and so that, that Wait, where where is this? In, in a, Burlington, North Carolina. In a we were in the parking lot. lot. Oh yeah. Of the <laughs> you hotel. guys are just running around yeah. dragging a bucket. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It was a good time. It was a good time. <laughs> did did any of did any of the Latin American guys participate? Did you kind of I teach tried, them how to do it? I, I tried to teach a couple of them. Uh they must have been thinking quick. what are these guys doing? <laughs> where are we and what is going on? They they were definitely taken aback, but they all wanted to learn, so I, I taught a couple of them uh what I knew about it at that point and, and tried to help him out to, to learn how to rope. It was a bucket. So we were just roping a bucket. So, um, but it was a lot of fun. Well, I think, I think cowboy Cox, I think that might catch. I think we might see the cowboy emoji a little bit more on some of the storm chaser social. I don't know. Maybe I'll get out, let out a yeehaw up here or something. I mean, maybe down in the field, you strike a guy out to end an inning. Just, just let it loose. I think, I think, I think, I think it'd be great. I think you could do it. That would be that'd be something. <laughs> so we're sitting here beginning of August. Mm-hmm. There's 
less than 50 games left of this 2022 season. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, you know, you're, you're trying to find that consistency, you know, maintain that routine and finish really strong. So what are the sorts of things that you look to do toward the end of this year that would really put a stamp on this season as one that you feel has been a successful and be a big step forward? Just finishing strong, you know, like, like we talked about, I, I got hurt down the stretch last year and that was really, really frustrating at the end of the year to be, I was basically coming off of an injury to end the year. And so really just finishing strong and, and staying healthy. And, and I think that would be the, the biggest thing that I could do to, to put a stamp of, I did what I set out to do this year. Well, it's been fun watching you pitch out there. Time in and, and time out. Uh, congrats again on the engagement. Best Thank of luck you. with the wedding. Uh, and, you know, we'll see Cowboy Cox out there again soon. <laughs> Thanks for the time, man. Thanks for Absolutely. hanging out. Absolutely. Thank you. Everyone get on your feet. Stir up the storm. We're family.